Welcome to Backsliding to Glory, a progressive Christian podcast and community. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Backsliding to Glory. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. Megan, guess what I did last night? Uh Uh-oh. What? (laughs) No, this is good. This was good. I went, first of all, I've had a long week. (laughs) Yeah. In lots of ways. And I needed a little respite. You know, we talked last week about about rest and and restoration and and, uh, how we need to have those moments for ourselves. Well, I took one for myself yesterday and I went to see a buddy of mine and we uh, we had a beer and we had a BS session and it was awesome. We talked about work and we talked about life and church and family and all sorts of stuff. Uh, But one of the things that came up while we were visiting was, hey, how long are you going to be here for? Because sometime tonight, the International Space Station is going to come right over us. Oh, and yeah. I was like, really? I've never I've never seen it. And he goes, yeah, it comes. So it's like, it doesn't come over every night. And even on the days that it comes over, sometimes it's during the day, not the night, so you can't see it. Sometimes it's not directly over our area, so you can't see it anyway. But every few days, he gets a look at it, apparently, and or if he wants to. And last night was going to be one of those. It was like 8.40, we were going to be able to see it. And it was supposedly really clear. There was also potentially a satellite that we could see as well around the same time frame. So I was really excited. First of all, we we ended up watching some like David Attenborough on Netflix or something to waste our time before for a little while. <laughs> and that is always highly enjoyable to remind yourself of the magnificence of the natural world. And his voice yes. is a great uh, rapper for that. But totally. then we went into the backyard and we looked up into the sky. And first of all, it had been a long time. It occurred to me since I had just looked at the stars mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just like. I am very much a Protestant, Megan, but sometimes I like going to Mass to be reminded of (laughs) King God. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. sometimes I need to stare at the stars to be reminded of, you know, the vastness of the universe. That was exactly what happened last night. And then, then boom, this little light appears and it is non-blinking like a plane and it is moving very rapidly across the sky and it is so bright and I don't know, I'm such a, I didn't do any Googling or research on this, but I sat there and marveled at like, is that just the reflection of the sun off of the ship itself? Or are there lights that we're seeing from this distance, which would be hard for me to imagine. And then I thought about the emptiness and the blackness of space and how any light, any little minuscule light might penetrate that in such a way to make a difference and to shine even at such a distance. And then I thought about how amazing it is that there are people, there are human beings on that ship hurtling across my sky and that they have lives and pasts just like me that connect them to people just like me. And they have people back at home that are thinking of them and maybe looking up at the sky and and waving hello for a moment. Mm -hmm. What an achievement for the human species, first of all. Quite. It leaves me a little saddened that we don't do more, that we haven't pushed farther in my lifetime in particular. Mm-hmm. But then again, isn't it amazing that we ever got there at all? Yeah. So anyway, sometimes I think in that rest and in that respite, maybe remind yourself of the vastness of things. And uh, I don't know, I, I stared up at the sky and and Josh, my best friend, was was saying, isn't it gorgeous? And I'm like, yeah. And all I could think was <laughs> the line from, uh, for me, it's from uh, History of the World Part 1. Remember thou art mortal. Remember thou art mortal. Remember thou art mortal. 
You'd love my pastor. He's a heavy Monty Python referencer. I uh, I'm a big Monty Python fan. Big. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a big um, History of the World Part One is actually Mel Brooks. Oh right, right. Sorry. You, you know, it ends. It ends with the hint to the sequel, History of the World Part Two: Jews in Space. Right, right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Both, both are a- absolutely uh, applicable. Mel has a particular American sense of humor. Yes, that appealed yes. to me as a youth, especially. Yes. I'm yes, so yes. sad that my my sons haven't fallen in. We tried to watch Young Frankenstein about a year ago, and neither one of them Didn't got it. Happen. They were not. Yeah. Nope, weren't yeah, weren't yeah. into it at all. Megan, our topic is not uh, Young Frankenstein or it's not uh, esoteric humor today. We're going to be talking about this week and this holiday, this season that the church finds itself in right now. Um, we are, as a matter of fact, as this releases, it'll be Easter Sunday. It'll be Palm Sunday, won't it? Palm Sunday. That's right. We'll be a week ahead. You're right. You're right. A week. There ahead. we go. I, I owed you a correction. There. I you do you definitely <laughs> do owe me a correction. Um, <laughs> well, you got to correct me, so I it's just it's only fair. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> Palm Sunday. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about Lent and Easter, uh, the way we practice it ourselves, the traditions that we find particularly uh, appealing and, and um, meaningful to us, and um, some of the different things that you might can do to try to make this season a bigger part of your faith experience moving forward. I know for myself, like, Especially growing up, I literally grew up in a free will Baptist church, as I've said before. Um, Lent was not a thing that we ever discussed, except for the one with the eye in the middle that comes out of your pocket, right? <laughs> right. Except I'm a Yankee, so that's called Lent, <laughs> which is a different word than Lent. <laughs> Much as pin and pen are not the same word. Yeah, those are all the same, Megan. Oh, I don't understand gravy. your your accent there. <laughs> but but honestly, like I I didn't I didn't have any. I didn't have any real conception as a child, even as steeped mm-hmm. as I was in the Christian faith, of a season preparing for Easter, um, which is interesting in retrospect because the sacrifice part of Easter was was so integral to my understanding of um, Christ and and the Christian faith. Whereas now, the fact that I do celebrate a note in some ways Lent, um, I think makes the Easter Sunday in particular wholly different. Whereas in my youth, Easter was very much about the death of Christ. Now Easter is only about the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where do you come from on this? And and what was your experience, especially as a, uh, a child with uh, the Easter season and the Lenten season? I don't really remember. You know, I had a sort of uh, only casually religious childhood, as I've mentioned before. Um, I don't really, I remember sort of knowing about Lent, but we didn't, you know, we went to a Presbyterian church. We weren't uh, heavy Lent doers. Um, From, you know, sometimes there's a joke, like from a Quaker background, every day is Lent. (laughs) Um, Because because there's a lot of, uh, every day is equally holy, but there's also a certain amount of self-sacrifice that comes with a lot of traditional religious practice there. but yeah, I don't have, I have neither really negative nor positive childhood memories of Lent. It sort of, I kind of knew what it was. I didn't really do anything with or about it. So nothing like thrilling there. So what about Easter? What were you like, did you get a new Easter dress and things like no. that? No, <laughs> no, we were too, um, no. Easter was definitely at home uh, with my parents. It was definitely just a sort of holiday of uh, it was like a lighter gift holiday than Christmas. Um, 
And I would go to church with my grandmother, but uh, I don't think I really got new dresses or anything. It wasn't like a big... So I don't know if this is a, a Yankee versus Southerner thing, um, but certainly in our sort of area, like fancy Easter dress up stuff was not like a big, big thing. Like you'd maybe have a nice dress for Easter, but it wasn't like Easter photo shoots with freshly dyed eggs. And, you know, it was like, yeah, you maybe go to church on Easter. You do Easter eggs, you get an Easter basket, but it wasn't a big, big, big thing. Yeah, here, even among the sort of, uh, you know, secular Mm -hmm. parts of our community, Easter was one of those times when they were absolutely present in church to remind everybody they were, in fact, members and they are Christians. They're just very busy the rest of the year. Uh, And so that was for us. As somebody who was there all of the time, Easter was a time where we were expected to sort of be on extra best behavior. Mm. There were there were presentations sometimes. There were special songs. There were uh, definitely nice outfits. Now there were I don't remember uh, photo shoots exactly, although I do remember generally it was like okay before everybody takes their clothes off, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and, right, and but, looks normal again. Before you get something on that, come here. Let's do a quick picture. Yeah, let's all at least take a picture so that I have something from this year where you look decent. You know, right. Um, so that that was that was the thing that I remember most honestly from, about Easter as a child. The the thing that I think about really like <laughs> it, it's so. And I know it seems so surface and silly, but this is honestly like the primal connection to me for Easter. I think of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, yeah. I try to watch it every year, honestly. Uh-huh. I do. I try to, I love the original film with Ted Neely, although I really enjoyed the live thing on me NBC too. Uh, with John Legend. I thought that was great. My kids all really enjoyed it too. My daughters in particular are in love with the music and they will ha- every now and again ask to watch it again just nice. because. I think that that story, that that film and the, the music so perfectly captures the lows and highs of the Lenten season, the story of the death of Christ and also the promise of what it offers. I think it's more beautiful in some ways in that it is sort of like um, parsed through the lens of secular secular society. Um, I think that it highlights the power of that story even for those who don't, who aren't quote-unquote true believers. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. The, the beauty of the story of sacrifice, of of complete generosity and and personal uh, well yeah personal sacrifice that holds that holds for anybody anybody can watch that story and enjoy it and come away inspired and i think that's exactly what we mean when we talk about the gospel and the good news you know um and so i do i do think in my head that that that's sort of that's part of our 20th century canon you know in a in a future in which i get the uh the letter from uh, birmingham jail uh, added to the mm-hmm. new testament mm-hmm. jc superstar's superstar. book is added as well yes nice. Nice. yes i like it i'm into it i i mean i think the theology of of uh jesus christ superstar more closely aligns with my own than uh, probably any Christian pop culture thing, you know, uh, just because I, I don't tend to identify with the sort of evangelical uh, pop culture things. And but Jesus Christ Superstar is it's good. It makes good sense to me. What what do you feel about Easter now as you have grown and 
deepened your faith, and in particular, as an adult, you and I have both talked about how our faith is centered around social justice and around mm-hmm. the oppressed and around mm-hmm. the underdog. What what does it mean to you? Yeah, so, um, you know, Easter, it means a lot of things. Uh, I have some, I suppose, fairly uh, lowercase o orthodox beliefs about about what happened in East on Easter and um but more to the point, I know and believe that resurrection is a real thing. Uh maybe not necessarily uh fully bodily, but I've seen resurrection in my life. I think you have too. I think everybody has. Everybody's seen that the person who comes back from what seems to be a lost place um if not dead maybe deep in the in the the depths of addiction or of misery or of uh chemical depression or any number of sort of terrible things that can uh encompass our lives um in a negative way we've seen people come back from that and know that it is possible and kind of keeping hope alive on that front. Yeah. I think about, you know, you, you hear the phrase like necrotic tissue, uh, <laughs> when you've had a bad infection or an injury. Or I try not to hear that phrase. Yeah, well, okay, but like you're watching ER, Gray's Anatomy. Gross. Yeah. But like you, you, you hear that phrase. I think that, <laughs> yeah, that I think yeah, 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 yeah. many times in our lives, in our lives, we have necrotic mental states and necrotic mm-hmm. emotional states mm-hmm. where we're not dead, mm-hmm. but we have passed the point of return. And yeah. I have known people that have gone there. I, I don't I don't know that I've ever gotten th- to that place in my own life, but mm-hmm. I, I have gotten to deep depths and and returned. And I do think personally, at least Jesus was part of that, like the story mm-hmm. of Christ mm-hmm. and the working of the Holy Spirit. We talked about you. I love. I, I just put up the video last week. You talked about the living God that's working, moving, doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, I have felt that that God mm-hmm. in in Me myself. Too. I have seen it in other people's lives, and I have seen people come back from that point of no return. Mm-hmm. I have seen lives changed. I've seen families changed and and return to a functioning, growing, productive state where mm-hmm. it seemed like there was no possibility before. Uh-huh. So I, that is absolutely what I what I feel when I think of Easter. I I think very much of the I am not one of these Christians that doesn't like to uh contemplate at all the pagan origins of our holidays. Mm, no, I, I like love it. the pagan mm-hmm. origin in particular of Easter. The return of spring uh-huh. is to me a picture of what resurrection would be for mm-hmm. the ancient world before Jesus ever came. Sure. Like, that's the way I conceptualize it. Sure. It's not that it was a pagan holiday first. It was that we didn't understand the message of God until later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the, it's it's weird. I was I, I had to look up uh, the pastor that I had my whole youth. He married my mother and father and then... Um, you know, christened me and he was our pastor until I was about 14 or 15 years old. And that's when I actually left right after I got my driver's license, I left, started going to a different church actually when they got a new pastor. Um, 
he sang a lot too. I saw a video posted on Facebook of him singing at some church that he's he's was speaking at uh, the other day, and I was so excited to hear him again. He's got a great voice, even though he's much older now, of course. Um, but one of the songs that he would sing all the time, especially around Easter, was a, a song by the Gaithers, which I'm not a big fan of the Gaithers in general. But Chris Christian, Gloria Gaither, and William Gaither wrote this song, mm-hmm. and it's called "Then Came the Morning." Are you familiar with this at all, Megan? Have you nope. heard it before? Nope. Okay. I'm not going to give you all of it, but the chorus is this. Then came the morning, night turned into day, the stone was rolled away, hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning, shadows vanished before the sun, death had lost and life had won, for morning had come. Hmm. And the, and it's just like three different stories. You hear sure. like Mary, Mary, Mother Mary's uh, thoughts as she processes the night. You hear the uh, apostles' thoughts as they process the disciples' thoughts as they process the night. And then, um, well, I guess that's it. You just get those two versions. Uh-huh. But um, and then the, the chorus is for for all of them, you know. But mm-hmm. to me, that is that is what I think about. I think about that return of spring, the the promise mm-hmm. that the depths of winter are not forever. You see all the jokes on Twitter this time of year about, um, you know, my serotonin's coming out, kicking SADs behind. <laughs> like, I think that's what resurrection is about too. Yeah, Like sure. all of that. Sure. We sure, do sure. fall into this state. My best friend calls it the gray time, right? And especially in the oh, South. Yeah. It feels like it's not cold, so you don't get that Christmas of winter in the way that you do up North. It's dreary it's the wet season here in a lot of ways we get these like weird floods over and over again it's just disgusting and and nasty and depressing on a daily basis okay. outside and then suddenly <laughs> the flowers bloom <laughs> finally yes uh, and it's right you get like a week before the pollen's too bad too <laughs> yeah 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 it's we're in the center of the great pollening at the moment anyway that's what I think about. I think about then came the morning. And like we spend all of our lives waiting, waiting for that like next moment, waiting for, well, waiting for all sorts of things, right? Waiting for a paycheck, waiting for mm-hmm. a lover, waiting for a baby, waiting for good news. Um, this reminds me of the, the uh, do you remember the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go? Yeah. Yeah, that then he talks about, you know, you have to be careful because you'll end up in the waiting place where oh. everyone is just waiting. It's like, yep, that's adulthood. <laughs> that, I mean, but that is. That it's pretty literally. well describes it. And and the, the point is to, I think the point is anyway, to remind yourself that Easter does come and you and you mm-hmm. can find your own Easters in your own way. Mm-hmm. Like last mm-hmm. night with mm-hmm. me in the International Space Station, like you you just go out there and you and you grab it and mm-hmm. you have to live in the moment sometimes so that you aren't always in the waiting place, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Totally. That list of to-dos will still be there tomorrow morning. But tonight, I need to spend yeah. this two hours with my kid because yeah. he won't be a kid forever. Right. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also, you know, it, the uh, resurrection story also matters to me uh, in the sense of as a sort of um, person who believes in liberation that that the empire does not get the final word. They do not, the Caesar does not get the final word. Caesar can't even beat death. So it's a, you know, it's a big symbolic story in that way. Or literal story, I suppose, if, you know, if you well, it literally. And I will say, I will say too that I think, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that you would agree with this, the church has occasionally 
bought into that too hard or listen to only that side of the message, Caesar can't conquer death, and therefore our only hope for the kingdom is in a different world, whereas mm, mm-hmm. I do think we are called to make change in this world and to affect to affect right. change for our neighbor today, right, not right. just for this hopeful tomorrow and the new Jerusalem, you know? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think we over-literalize the death element there and forget that the the problem is the Caesar. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Like the problem is a dominant empire that oppresses people. And that's, that is a hundred percent something we can fight against and something we should fight against all the way. I do think it is hopeful that there have been periods in church history where that idea has been the more majority opinion, mm-hmm. the, the idea mm-hmm. that we can affect change in this world. Mm-hmm. And then it has swung the other, you know, the pendulum has swung the other way. I am, I am hopeful that it is just that, that it is a pendulum and it, our, the movement will swing and we will have another, um, you know, activist Christian faith in the physical world. And I, I say that even as I say that, <laughs> like, I understand that the religious right is active today. Um, sure. They are active in a political way. They are active in empire, not active in society. And the reality is that in the sort of, if you stop and step back and look at the history of, uh, certainly in this country, but really in the uh, in the colonial and post-colonial world, um, I guess we're not really, there's no such thing as the post-colonial world. I made Not that yet. Up. Not yet. Um, We'll get there someday. (laughs) We're trying. But but just generally in the sort of era of colonialism, um, the when you look at the overarching stories, it's the Christian left that has affected the religious left, I should say, because there has been significant movement from other communities also. Um, The religious left has moved more and changed more than the religious right ever, ever, ever has. Um, They have their little moments of whatever they're mad about this week, but they do not tend to affect lasting change on society or culture. I think you're right. And I think you're right. God. And again, that makes me hopeful, right? Yeah. So it's it, yeah. in, in the moment we can be in any moment, we can be in Lent. We can be in the middle uh-huh. of Lent waiting, uh-huh. waiting for the uh-huh. resurrection, waiting for Easter. But yeah. the thing is that we need to know that Easter has already happened, right? We, yeah. we live in a post Easter world, Yes. no matter what time of year it is. Is there anything in particular that you can think of that you would like to point people to? Like, I, I would suggest strongly, if it's been a long time since you've seen Jesus Christ Superstar, or if you've oh, never yeah, seen it, it since you're interested in, in a, a faith journey or, or your own, uh, you know, sort of theological stances, I would strongly suggest you to go and, and watch it again, either version for that matter. Um, but the, I think, again, as someone who is thinking about these things, who is who is trying to decide um, who God is, who Jesus is, and what they mean to your own life, um, or or struggling to how to better understand them and better serve them, and your your fellow um, humans. I think that would be a interesting sort of experiment for you to see it in a different light, perhaps than you have if it's been a while. Um, is there anything like that that you might point somebody to this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I I would agree with 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 you there. Um, I'm always. Uh, in favor of A Wrinkle in Time, the original book. The movie was very good, um, but I think the book 
gets a, a little more theological, even though it's quietly so. Um, and the the rest of the Wrinkle in Time series also. But I, I think that they... Madeline Langle was a really interesting woman. She was a she was an Episcopalian, very, very religious, um, and also a, a Christian lefty. Um, and the way she sort of quietly imbued faith messages in her books, which were about science, because as it turns out, these two things are not incompatible, and she never thought they were, um, is really fun. So if you're looking for a pop culture thing, Go back and reread A Wrinkle in Time and think about it. Just know that it that there are religious messages in the book and look at it that way because it's fun. Uh, that That is a very good idea, actually. It's been a long time since I've read A Wrinkle of, in Time. I don't think I've seen the movie, actually, either. Um, oh, it's very good. Yeah, So I might, and I'm a fan of uh, Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. so I should totally. give that a try. Um, okay, the... The one other thing that I would suggest to you is if you've never been to a Monday, Thursday uh, 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 service, if you have an opportunity to go to one. This is something that I had never attended until the past couple of years uh, in oh. my own little Methodist journey, and it's uh-huh. beautiful. It was it was very yeah. much like the first time that I went to Midnight Mass. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it, it is one do of Do you all do traditional foot washing? So we do, we don't at our yeah, um, we don't at our, but interestingly that was something that I have experienced from in my youth as a free will Baptist. Uh-huh. So the, uh-huh. the free will Baptist did not do communion on a regular basis or even like quarterly necessarily. But whenever we would do communion, it would be a nighttime ceremony and uh, it would be after our Sunday night you know worship service and and preaching. Then we would do communion and then uh-huh. we would go separately, the men in one area and the women in another area and do foot foot washing. And um, wow. it is a like I have lots of problems with my <laughs> theological mm-hmm. upbringing. I have no problem with that one. And it is yeah, a, yeah. it's a it's a weird thing for people to do in the modern sure. world. Like it's sure, it's sure. hard to get into it in the moment sure. sometimes, but it is such a beautiful experience. If you especially if you are with a, a group of people that you trust and that you feel mm-hmm. connected to spiritually uh, speaking, it is it is really really it is something. It was that was actually the um that was the story that was told in the uh, sermon that I got Sunday morning. Uh-huh. The title was called The Royalty of Service. And he, he told the story of the disciples arguing about who would sit at the right hand of Jesus when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus gets down and wraps the towel around and washes his disciples' feet. And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like. I ended up mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. a little teary uh, Sunday yeah. morning thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. I do. I would like to do it. Actually, it's kind of the thing that it, I, maybe I would like to do with a small group. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I think it's really interesting, and uh, I have never done it. Um, but when I sort of spend some time with uh, just scripture itself, and also with some theologians. I sort of think that people who do it have a pretty strong point that it really could and should be considered sort of sacramental, um, even for Protestants. Uh, and I, I find it sort of odd that we've lost that one. Um, and I think we probably have lost something when we when we lost that one. I think we possibly lost a, a, a meaningful symbol of a very specific something that... I, I, you know, I think modern mainline Protestants, there are a lot of Christian lefties among us, but there are a lot of non-lefties among us too. And I 
think we sometimes struggle with servitude. I think we also struggle with asking for help. Yeah. And I think it's really nice that that specific action forces you into a position of both serving and being served and in a way that is incredibly weird and vulnerable, um, which is good. (laughs) So part of the problem, obviously, is that we've lost the cultural connection to the why they washed feet at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. these were literally people who were walking on dirt streets in sandals. When you would come into a home, it would be absurd to think that you wouldn't want to clean your feet. So, like, it makes sense in that cultural context. We've moved to this society where we, first of all, we don't dirty our feet at all, and also they're wrapped in shoes at all times. Right. right. But the physical, if we could just get past that, and if you can get past that idea, like, we think of feet as so gross. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we've sexualized them, too, right? It's one or the other. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Right? Um, Which is such a a bizarre thing. No no judgments. No, 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 I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. But... But the, but it is the idea weird. that we that they're either effectively like <laughs> yeah 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 it's yeah. toilet humor or a sexual right. object and right. nothing in between and not the thing that is the base of our body with which we walk on the ground if we are uh, people who can walk or um, or that symbolize that activity for people who are not able to walk um, I don't know it's I mean Muslims wash feet they have to it's part of the it's part, you know, if if you've ever been to a to a mosque or another kind of Islamic center, there's generally a special kind of sink thing that is a foot washing sink. You step into it, and the water runs over, and it's because they worship barefoot. And I I think yeah. Anyway, that so okay. There you go. But, In my small group, I'm going to make a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I really do think. If you've got a group of believers that you are connected to physically, and I know that's part of the problem that we've been addressing, right, is that sometimes we're sort of isolated from uh, folks that we feel like we can commune with in this way. Um, But it's needed. You you know, you said it early on, Megan, I don't really think solo Christianing is a thing that exists. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm so with you. And the the more that I think about it, the more that I read, the more that I pray, the more that I try to live this life, I really I think that is absolutely true. We have to have one another. And I think that the you you you, I hadn't made that connection, but you're right. It is literally our feet is how we touch the earth. Mm -hmm. It is our connection to nature. And so to connect to another's foundation like that in a loving, compassionate, serving way. Yeah, I think that is something greatly that we're missing. I, yeah. I did not expect and this it's episode okay. to come yeah, out to go for us this so, this so yeah. strong. We're pro-footwashing, look at that. We're theologically in favor of footwashing. It's, uh, <laughs> I know it's weird for us too, guys. <laughs> we didn't mean for this to happen. Holy Spirit's a funny, funny. You work it out with fear and trembling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's okay that it's a little gross. Like, <laughs> We don't do any gross stuff. It's, you know, like 2,000 years ago, they had to, you know, butcher their own meat and uh, empty chamber pots and stuff. Like, we're so averse to doing anything that might be a little dirty or weird. That Well, to we be fair. We forget that, like, human... We hire people to do all our dirty, gross things. And-, and not just hire them, but we hire them and we and we make them do it 
in the hours of the day when we are not around. Right. 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 So we can we don't even see right. them doing it. I I was I was right. in New Orleans not too long ago and I was up very very early and I I realized that the street sweepers were out. I was in the quarter uh-huh. and so I'm I'm I come out on the balcony. We were in a hotel. I come out on the balcony and I'm watching them as they're spraying the streets and everything. And it was a great. It was really interesting to watch the process. But I thought then I was like. We literally, we, we have these people do this so that we don't even know that they do it. They're like little little garbage fairies that yes. swoop in at night and take away our trash and leave a nice empty container where it was. So bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's such a strange so thing. So weird. It, but you, you talk about the, it being gross, though. Honestly, we, we say to ourselves... Uh, here is my body. Eat it and remember me. Here right, is my blood. Right. We're already gross. Me. Get over yeah. it. Yeah, like we, the gross <laughs> thing happens, folks. Everybody else thinks we're already gross. The Romans thought exactly. we were cannibals. Yes. Well, uh, you know, people who believe in full-on transubstantiation, I, I don't see another way to believe. I mean, you're if you're if you believe that you're eating a body, then what are you if you're not a cannibal? That's it. You're, uh, you're, I think there is a word, actually. I looked this up before eating God. I think there is a, I can't remember the word, but it's like a... a um, oh, yeah. right. It's it's uh, like theophagia. Theophagia. I think that's exactly yeah, yeah. it. Yes, yeah. yes. I looked that up one time because uh, I was fascinated by the concept that the priests had to consume the remainder. You know, uh-huh. like you have uh-huh. to, and you have to be careful about yeah, yeah, yeah. the disposal of it. I, I wasn't as a non-Catholic. I wasn't uh, familiar with that concept. And of course, it makes perfect sense in retrospect. But again, if you take right. that, you can't just throw Jesus in the garbage. No, can. exactly. Exactly. You also I think there are rules about eating um, because you can't have like a bunch of Doritos knocking around in your stomach with Jesus. Oh really? Like I didn't know to, that. I think you're supposed to give some time before you eat. We can if if you are a uh, a Catholic or a Roman Catholic or another uh, tradition that believes in full on transubstantiation. I actually would be really curious uh, to hear and not not mocking you at all. No, we um, want that's exactly super it. super super curious. Um, I think my belief is somewhere in the middle. I don't believe that it's necessarily literally Jesus, but I do believe that the blessing of it uh, changes it into something more than just bread. I I am I am juice. almost precisely there. I have always yeah. felt like there is a quote unquote magic in in mm-hmm. the communion ceremony. Uh, that doesn't have to mean that it is literally um, transmogrified into uh, a body and blood, but um, that's that's a little bit out of our realm. But You're I right. do. We need an I am fascinated a- by that that uh, by the theology there, and I would love to hear more from somebody if somebody wants to well and dive we, in with us on this one. And we both understand that we owe our own theology and any con- any conception that we have of of Christ and God owe a great deal to the theologians and that history and tradition. So, like, yes. Oh, absolutely. So, like, and there are lots of modern modern Roman Catholic theologians who I like very much. So. Please know that, um, I mean, if anybody who's not following Richard Rohr is is doing themselves a disservice. Um, his daily daily emails are one of my favorite things to get. It's one of the only things I don't delete <laughs> in my morning email jumble of things that I signed up for. That's hilarious. Yeah, I I have I have about three or four uh, newsletters that I actually keep and that everything else basically gets marked off immediately. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Speaking of though, Megan, one of the things that I want to do in an upcoming episode, it might be our next one in fact, I want to give some folks 
people to follow. I have a yeah. handful of bloggers and some podcasters that I listen to uh, w- that are speaking about and writing about faith and theology. I know you do as well. We both have a bunch of people on Twitter that we probably would like to suggest people follow. So I would really like to do a roundup of some of those resources and, and some totally. of the people that we're following and keeping up with uh, as we explore our own faith journey to maybe help others find new outlets to pursue. Um, we'll do that in a future episode. Um, right now, I want to wish you a happy Palm Sunday and a, a, a beautiful Easter week, a holy week here. Um, yes. I do think there is so much to think about in the story. I love the arrival of Christ, the heralding of Christ into the city, and then the lows that he would see there just so soon after. I think that is, it's a beautiful little track, this short story that sort of compacts the whole gospel into a week. It's really awesome. And um, and I urge you to let yourself have a little imagination this week. Like, it's okay if you don't believe in literal resurrection. It's okay if you don't believe in, you know, these sort of elements of it. But let yourself just imagine what it would mean to you if. Um, because I think you can <sighs> come to some interesting conclusions and sort of, I don't know. I just think it's really important to let yourself kind of float down imagination lanes <laughs> and see where it takes you. Cause you can find some beautiful things there. I think that is a great place to put a button on it. As a matter of fact, all right, I'll second it. Uh, all right. Uh, until <laughs> next time we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are backsliding to glory. If you know someone who would enjoy backsliding to glory, please share the show with them today and send us your comments and feedback backsliding to glory at gmail.com or find us on Twitter backslide to glory. <laughs>